What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Dump and Chaser Podcast, Episode 5. I'm Kyle Geraltz. As always, I'm going to be with you, bringing you the latest hockey and just sports news this week. Um, This is Episode 5, but I'm going to stop telling you what episode it is every single week. I know you guys can read, and I don't mean to demean you in as many ways as I normally do um, as the episodes continue to pile on top of each other. But, for the first time, definitely not the last, this episode of the Dump and Chaser Podcast, hosted by Kyle Gerholtz, in my basement, is brought to you by Fanatics.com. Guys, this is huge. I want to thank Fanatics so very much for giving me this opportunity, uh, for being a sponsor of this podcast, a proud, proud partner. Guys, it's almost Christmas season. I know there's a few people you have not gotten the right gift for. Head over to Fanatics.com. They still have shipping available to get it by Christmas. Go over. You can find your very best NHL, MLB, NFL, NASCAR, whatever you're looking for. They have it at Fanatics.com. Guys, we've got a really great show for you today. Um, An interview with a very, very good friend of mine, Quinn Cantu. Um incredible soccer mind, hockey mind, basketball mind. Uh, We get into a lot of star-studded topics as well as the impending World Cup um, that does not feature the U.S. men's national team. Uh, So some interesting points today raised by Quinn. Uh, He brings up a lot of stuff about um, world-class soccer that I think sometimes we forget in the U.S. because we're so egocentric when it comes to soccer that we think we're good and we are so far away from being an actual contender in a lot of these world-class events. So I want to thank everybody who put me in a position to be able to even get sponsors. Uh, This is unbelievable. Uh, I'm so happy. I've had so much support from so many people, everyone involved in the podcast. Uh, This has been a phenomenal couple weeks, and uh, we're just going to keep pushing forward. So the last thing I'll ask of you guys is to make sure – whether you listen to the pod on dumpachaser.com, on iTunes, you get it through Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, however you're finding the podcast, please, please, please share it on that platform. Okay, we can never have too many people even just seeing the name Dump and Chaser. That's gonna get it out there. And uh we're gonna we're gonna do some pretty pretty awesome things. So thank you guys. And don't forget, click the link below the podcast. Head over to fanatics.com and get the gift they want. All right, guys. Here's Quinn Cantu. All right. As promised, I'm here with Quinn Cantu. I don't follow through with very much, but I figured an interview or two might be helpful. Uh, Quinn, thanks for doing this, man. How are you tonight? Good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I, the Blackhawks are up 5-1, to one, so I'm living large tonight. Uh, um, so Quinn is a sports aficionado, uh, especially when it comes to soccer, basketball, and hockey. Um, longtime friend of mine, uh, one of my groomsmen, uh, all that good stuff. Uh, he goes by Quintonio, but I'll just call him Quinn throughout this interview. Uh, first off, I mean, a lot goes on in the sports world, especially when you're people like you and I, because um, we were in a couple fantasy leagues together uh, for hockey and football. Uh, we do all sorts of stuff, and we're constantly talking uh, any news that comes up in the day. In the day. But more recent than anything, um, and kind of the biggest news, is the uh, the FIFA World Cup, the drawing, um, and just kind of where everyone, you know, fell into place with that. 
So, and Quinn, I mean, you would say soccer's your number one, yeah? Yeah, soccer's probably the number one sport I would watch over any other sport that's going on or that goes on. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's kind of why I'm in the soccer. You know, I always watch the World Cup, um, but that was about it. And since, you know, in the last few years, um, you've kind of, like, helped me get into soccer and kind of get um, a soccer mindset because it's so much different than um, everything we watch normally, um, except for, like, some of the comparisons we made about, like, the off season and, like, the signings and everything. Um, I know you said, like, the hockey off season and the soccer like signing period and everything can get just as chaotic as each other. Um, and that's kind of what drew me to it. So, uh, but as far as the world cup, you were light years beyond where I'm at. Um, but before we get into the actual world cup and the teams and everything, um, I should establish that I'm a U.S. soccer believer and Quinn is more realistic when it comes to, um, the expectations we should have and just kind of how pitiful the entire, um, organization in the men's national team can be the men's national team, obviously. Um, what, I mean, what do you think, you know, obviously the U S isn't in the world cup this, this coming year. Is that, is there any sort of positive that can be drawn from that? Or is this just another huge setback in U S soccer? Uh, not much of a setback. I mean, they had their chance to solidify themselves and they, performed and that I mean teams do that here and there and their window is only so big for the World Cup for qualifiers and for them I mean they were on the a back end of it losing a lot of good national players with Donovan and their Beasley's getting older uh, Michael Bradley there a lot of the midfielders and former strikers are getting older so it's kind of switching to a new age and they kind of have to come in their own and there's only one kid Christian Pulisic is their face of their national team right now and he's barely 20 years old yeah and that's that's the crazy thing about it and I, I mean I refer to him as hopefully the savior uh all the time and you know it's the U.S. soccer has never to me been like a lot of other countries whether it's club or national where there is an 18-year-old kid who can just, you know, Neymar, um, Keelan Mbappe, all these guys that come into their own at 18, 19, 20 years old. In the U.S., you know, back when we were kids, it was supposed to be Freddie Adu. That never turned into anything. And I think we've been kind of waiting for that breakout superstar because we had Donovan, uh, we had all these, we had Altidore, all these guys. Um, but they never really fulfilled into, like, their superstardom. So this gives hope, but, you know, when you say it's not a setback, that kind of reminds me that there's not really anything to be set back from. I mean, the bar is pretty low, so now they just, you know, they're at the bottom where they've been for so long, and now is maybe a, a bigger break to help build themselves back up. But it is upsetting. I mean, you know, to have a little bit of pride and a rooting interest going into the World Cup is fun, but I think maybe a lot of people will either find a little bit of, like, soccer fandom or, like myself, I'll just, like, learn about all these players going forward because there's a lot of guys, if they're not on Madrid or Barcelona, uh, I probably don't know all that much about them, to be completely honest. Um, so let's, I mean, let's just dive into the groups then because um, I know there's, you know, there's eight groups. 
top two from each one advanced. I know a lot of you guys probably um, have watched World Cups in the past, so you get that. But for anyone who doesn't, um, 32 teams, you know, four groups. So um, we'll just kind of go um, group to group. And some of them are going to be really easy, um, like we talked about. Uh, off air, and then some of them we can spend a little more time on because they're, they are a little stacked. Um, so kicking it right off, Group A, um, Russia, the home country, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and uh, Uruguay, Uruguay, whatever you want to say. What uh, what intrigued you when you saw this group pan out? What you know, did anything pop in your head like that you had to watch, or is this just kind of one of those groups? Um, it's intriguing uh, with Egypt. They will be the team to watch for because this is obviously this was a historical thing for them making it to the world cup and they have some talent just as any other team in the world cup and it'll just be fun to see just new faces and new names be made just in the world cup that's how players get their names out yeah, because what's his last name? Salah, S-A-L-A-H. He's, he plays for Egypt, doesn't he? He's, yeah. Yeah, he's um, been coming to, coming to light a little bit, I feel like, in the last few months. Since Egypt, like, kind of uh, solidified their spot into the World Cup, I feel like a lot of people have been talking about him. Exactly, yeah. He is going to be a player to watch throughout the entire World Cup or however long they last. That'll be good. That'll be fun. I mean, that's in, you know, the home country, Russia, you know, you know, the fans are going to be there, but it's the World Cup. So everyone's going to have their fans there. I feel like that's, you know, more than any other sporting event, people show up for the World Cup. Um, and I mean, that's we'll just move right on to Group B because I know this is the one we both really want to talk about. There's a couple other ones, but this one, uh, Portugal and Spain, obviously the headliners, Morocco and Iran um, got in, but. I mean, this Portugal-Spain matchup has to get you a little bit excited. Yeah, it'll. it's definitely, I feel like it's going to be fun to watch, but it's also going to be what kind of player you're going to see in Ronaldo, which, you know, everybody knows his name in any sport. He's world-renowned, and I think he will be the most intriguing to watch because he's obviously going to perform it a high class level but now it's just he's getting older and it's not showing signs but hopefully this world cup doesn't take more beating on him than he has to have it be yeah i mean when you when you've got a guy aging like that sometimes you would hope for you know the easiest route possible but with these teams it's it's definitely difficult in spain they're no slouch but this is kind of um this is kind of like a show me something year for spain isn't it? I mean, they're kind of in between, you know, starting to get all these these young guys going. And, I mean, this is a lot of Spain's first World Cup, isn't it? Like, some of those young guys? Yeah, some of the young guys, it's going to be their first World Cup, and that's going to be big for them. A lot of them play in Spain, in, their, in the Spanish League, which will help them, in a sense, because they all kind of stay in the same league and kind of see their it's all familiar faces to them they might play for a different team but they're still going to show their country's pride and that'll be huge and Spain is going to go through some growing pains throughout it but it might show it might not show with 
Iniesta and Xavi and Sergio Ramos and Pique that this might be their last mm-hmm. workout that you'll see these almost Hall of Famers slash legends be able to play on the same field all together at once. Yeah, and that'll I mean that'll be fun and it'll be it'll be nice because the original prediction right now is gonna be um a lot of I mean, everyone's gonna assume that Portugal and Spain get through. I mean, that would be you know, if you've ever watched soccer you would think these two go through. I don't really expect any surprises from Morocco or Iran. But, you know, that's why I mean that's why we play the games, especially in the group stage. A lot of a lot of crazy stuff can happen. Um, moving on to Group C, uh, pretty straightforward: France, Australia, Peru, and Denmark. Um, I'd assume France is, you know, takes this group. But who? I mean, who is going to compete with them? Who's going to be that number two team? Um, it could honestly be a dogfight with Australia, Peru, and Denmark. Australia, you get Tim Cahill. He's known for high scoring and having that high octane offense for Australia and he's always came through for them and he is going to be the player to watch for that team Peru and Denmark will be they can give Australia a fight it will be tough for them but a surprise team could be Denmark and Australia could be on their way out because of Tim Cahill's age and it's he's been the face of Australia's national team for many World Cups and just wondering when his his last day of soccer is going to be. Yeah, and you, I mean, especially when it comes to the World Cup, a lot of, you know, you wonder if it's, you know, the last game or you, they know they're eliminated by the end of the game. Um, if you're going to retire, uh, you know, you do it on the world stage, I would assume. You know, when you, you've put every last bit of blood, sweat, and tears into, you know, country, and you, you know, you can't pull it out, you know, that... That's always something to watch for. Uh, I forgot that he was an older guy, too. I forget. You know, Cahill's one of those guys that it, until I hear his name, I sometimes forget about him, but I know the, the talent that he has, and obviously he's, you know, always been a great player. Um, group D, my favorite group, because it gives Messi a free pass into uh, the knockout stage. Um, Argentina, Iceland, Croatia, Nigeria – um, Argentina is my go-to, um, Iceland, kind of the Cinderella's of years past, but what, I mean, what do we expect? Is there any danger in this group for Argentina? Um, uh, Argentina will face some danger, I believe. I think a lot of people underestimate Nigeria and a lot of the African teams. Uh, U.S. would be a would be one to tell you with Ghana and Cameroon that they've faced in the past. They have always struggled against teams of smaller uh, capabilities, but those are the teams that are the scariest, are teams that you do not know players. You've never heard of players. You've never seen them play. And it's going to be hard for maybe Argentina to adjust seeing these new faces and It'll just make everything – it'll be a mystery for all, everybody out there. And they, you get 90 minutes to figure everybody out, and that's the tough part for them. Yeah, I mean, you can, I mean, you can scout as much as you want, but when you don't 
there's only a limited amount of, you know, film strategy, everything that you can put forward to a team that, you know, definitely isn't on television, at least, you know, not in Argentina, I would assume, not in the U.S. It's not a team that you really even consider until they're put in a World Cup group, and then you realize, shit, we don't know anything about Nigeria. How do we adjust to this? And the whole time, you know, Argentina's a worldwide, you know, phenomenon when it comes to national team soccer, and Nigeria knows all about Argentina. So you're right. There is a uh, a level of uncertainty when it comes to these teams, but I put all my faith in, in Leo. That is for damn sure. Uh, group E, Brazil, Switzerland, Costa Rica, Serbia. Uh, you and I disagree on this one. I'm taking the Swiss over Costa Rica, but we, I think we both have Brazil uh, moving on. Your boy Neymar, uh, he's going to lead his team pretty far in this World Cup, in my opinion. Uh, well, what do you what do you got on Group E? Is there anything that we need to be on the lookout for? Is it is it going to be Brazil and whoever wants to follow? Uh, I would say Brazil's going to take the group easily. I don't see them struggling too much. I think this is going to be another breakout year. Not necessarily breakout because everybody knows exactly who he is. But Neymar is going to be the the young leader of that team, Brazil still has few uh, older midfielders, defenders that are going to be great leaders for some of the young guys that they're going to bring in for subs and any injuries that occur because every team's going to go through injuries no matter what. Um, Costa Rica uh, is going to be tough because – they always there's always that group that plays in the in uh, North and South America that just give people a tough time and U.S. again has seen many upsetting losses to smaller countries of this caliber and they just get outperformed and outclassed in a lot of facets of the game and I think they could be a tough one. Uh, Swiss Switzerland will be tough. I mean, they still got a few young guys. Uh, there's the countries in it. They're obviously prepared for what's ahead of them. Serbia I don't know much about, so I would say they're probably going to fall to the bottom of the group. Yeah, I mean, Serbia is the weird one because I feel like of all the teams in this World Cup, I know the least about Serbia. Like, I'm even looking right now up and down like all 32 teams, and you know, Iceland I know because of what they've done in the past. Um, and, like, they're known for, like, crazy celebrations. So, like, I've even seen that team, you know, score some pretty impressive goals. Um, but as I look through, like, Panama, the Korea Republic, like, these like these are teams I've seen before. Serbia, I don't know anything about them. Um, so that's going to that's gonna be an interesting group because I'm almost waiting to see if, if Neymar and his teammates really put – like, if those teams are, like, one nothing 2-1, that would be – less surprising than if they went out and like blew out these teams three nothing four one because I feel like they're gonna conserve themselves a little bit, especially with Neymar having that bad injury in the last World Cup. Like you would think that he would just want to make sure they move on and then he just goes hundred and ten percent. But that's kinda of, that's just I mean that's from an outlier's uh, opinion. So I mean that's just a wait and see type of thing for me. Um and then probably your favorite group, Group F, Germany, Mexico, Sweden, and the Korea Republic. Uh, this one's interesting to me, but I think you know I think you've got a good grasp on it. I mean, what 
who, I mean, Germany would be your pick, right? Yeah, I would say Germany's going to lead the group. Obviously, they are defending World Cup champions, and they will always have world-class players inside and out. Uh, Manuel Neuer, uh, he's been on a little landslide through club play and some internationals, but he will he's going to be there to perform for that team. And we don't know the status of Super Mario from the uh, the past World Cup with his conditions. Um, Mexico will be interesting as well. I mean, they always put up a fight. A lot of teams know what kind of players Mexico provide, and there's always going to be a tough challenge. Sweden will be, I think, the team to watch out of this group. Um, Ibrahimovic is going to be a big year or a big summer, I should say, for him. Who knows how the team is going to perform as a whole, but when you think of Sweden, you see Ibrahimovic leading the way, and yes, he's 35 or older, but it's still going to create a lot of problems for many of these defenses knowing what kind of world-class striker he can can be. Yeah, I mean, his, I mean, he's definitely getting older. This is obviously going to be his last World Cup. You would think, I don't know if he's made any formal announcement, but you would just, based on what everyone does in their mid to late 30s, this would probably be it. But um, going back to Mexico, like I think their defensive effort is going to be the biggest X factor. Because, um, you know, from what I know about Mexico, they could score, and that's not going to be really an issue, maybe on Germany, because of who Germany is, but... You know, if they can if they can get out a good defensive effort and even maybe come to a draw against Germany, like that's gonna be huge for them. Um when or if I should say they move on to the knockout stage, because I think defensively if they can round out and be sound defensively in front of um whoever's in net for them, they're gonna they're gonna compete with a lot of teams, offensively and defensively, and I think that's gonna be huge for them in the knockout stage. Um another Another group that I'm like unsure of because I it it seems way easier than I might be making it out to be, but Belgium, Panama, um, Tunisia. I really don't even know how to pronounce them. In England, um, I don't think it will matter because I think it's Belgium and England moving forward. Um, would you? I mean, would you agree? Or is there something about Panama that I don't know? Um, Belgium is obviously going to lead the way. They have most. The most complete team to me so far. Uh, in the Kevin, World Cup or in the in this group? Uh, the World Cup, I would say. Okay. They, their midfielders are great. Strikers are great. Defending is, if not one of the best, if if not the best. And their goalkeeper, he's not a big name, but a lot of people know him. Um. England will be one of the weird teams to watch in a sense because they have had success over the years, but they are a team that they don't know where, like, what their team is exactly. you got all these great players and all these just big names and just it doesn't – the team chemistry might not be there in time, and that will be a big factor. And if it isn't, and 
that's going to draw them back, and that could lead Panama to either tying and winning over a goal differential or Panama just flat out outplaying England in this group. Yeah, that'll, I mean, that'll, that'll definitely be one of the more interesting things. I, I mean, I like that take on it because, you know, when you think soccer, a lot of, um, a lot of people from the U.S. might kind of forget that England's had that fall off a little bit. They're not really one of the top five world powers, like maybe in years past, especially when we were like younger kids. Um, and this will, this will be the last go for Rooney, even though I, I saw today that his stats have like totally shot up in the last few weeks or few months. Um, but Belgium is definitely, um, from talking to you and seeing what they have to offer, um, Belgium's going to win this group far and away. It won't even be close. Um, and then the last group, another um, another group with one team who I think is better than the rest and then will be battling for second. Um, group H, Poland, Senegal, Colombia, and Japan. Uh, Colombia is my like dark horse for the whole World Cup, but I think they'll win this group easily. Uh, what's your What's your take on Colombia? And then following with you know Japan, Poland, Senegal. Uh, yeah, I have Colombia taking this group off of just going by the sheet and just looking at the players' names. You look at the names. You get Rodriguez, Falcao, and there's plenty of other guys on Colombia that will stand out to many people I believe that they should win this uh, group and that'll be probably one of the most favorited teams going forward for a lot of people knowing what Rodriguez can do and seeing Falcao finally come back off of it after that big knee injury that sidelined him in the last World Cup and it kind of shined the light on Rodriguez landing in Madrid and then his stint didn't last too long, but he's still providing for other clubs. And oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, I mean, we all remember the bicycle kick that kind of launched Hamas Rodriguez into stardom. Um, and like you said, that brief stint with Real Madrid, like, there you've got him, who everyone remembers, and then a lot of people may have, you know, the average soccer fan forgets that this will be a, a return to glory for Falcao and to see him come back at the highest level for club or for country play. Like this will be, that'll be interesting from Colombia. Um, but go ahead. Uh, Poland will be a team that not a lot of people see, but they will be a team to watch. Obviously they're going to have an amazing striker in Lewandowski. He can score from anywhere. He's one of the best strikers in the world, and I think he will finally get his light to show how great of a scorer he can be. I mean, Byron understands and knows exactly what he is all about. And one team, Japan, will be a, a odd team to watch. They, when you think of Japan, you don't think much. Like, yeah, they're always good in certain sports, like in sports and a lot of other things, but in soccer, they, they're a team that can throw teams off because not a lot of people know their names, and it's so hard when a country is that big. And, and they're fast. That's a, I mean, that's a fast team from what I've seen. Yeah, and that's going to throw teams off, and I think, this is, I think that is going to be the pace for the World Cup is 
speed and who can hold it up, hold up the longest. And it's going to be tough for a lot of teams to hold up pace. But I mean, I know every player is going to hold up the world class stamina and effort. It's just who who doesn't break is going to be a big factor. Yeah, especially, yeah. Again, uh, across all these teams, I think that's the biggest one is is how many teams can handle the pressure, um, and how many teams can have the the secondary and even you know third level of scoring for a lot of the superstars. Um, two questions to figure it out, and you might have answered it. Um, we were talking earlier. Your your number one team to look out for this World Cup is it Belgium or did you have? Is there someone else? Um, I think Belgium is going to be my favorite going forward throughout the whole World Cup. I think they're going to be one of the most complete teams. You get Hazard, the Brown, Fellaini, uh, Lukaku. After the year he's having right now is. Definitely going to shoot them way up the ladder, and I think they will be one of the hardest teams to beat. Okay, and yeah, I mean that's I mean that's where I would stand. Just from so I mean because everything I mean everything you've told me about them, I mean I want to favor Brazil shockingly the most because uh, I have not been the friendliest when it comes to Neymar. But um, Germany, you know, there's Belgium, but for some reason Germany. It just there's just another scary team, but I think it's because of so many unknowns with Germany. Um, and then finally, uh, who do you have playing in the finals, and who do you, who who's your winner? Uh, playing in the finals is tough because I don't know exactly how these groups are going to lay out because it goes by the top two teams. The second seed can always go against a, a different second seed in a group, and that's what's going to make the World Cup tough is how they're seeding goes out and I think that's going to pave a way for maybe a team that not a lot of people see in the fight are getting far but that's how a lot of teams can make their push is a, a second seed barely squeaking in and going like they could play against Argentina and that could give Messi and that team the confidence to put, make their push into the World Cup and could lead them honestly to a world cup and there's a lot of teams that can win it's just who it's all about the matchups i think that's yeah you're right you're right and it's tough because you know if it was laid out and you know which group winner and second place team would play in this part of the bracket you would be able to have a little bit more of a prediction based on that but obviously we don't have that um, which is nice, though, because it provides, you know, a little bit of anticipation moving forward, too. You know, you don't just watch group play and then turn it off. You're going to watch, you know, the whole month. Uh, so, and I think, honestly, if we're going to drop a winner right now, I'm not picking with my head. I'm picking with my heart. I think Argentina takes it. I think Messi shines, and I think a team that a lot of people think is just one player shows how many pieces – Di Maria, Messi, all those guys that they're, they're going to finally come together and, and surprise a lot of people, even your boys in Belgium. Yeah, I mean, I could see Argentina being a heavy favorite for many people. You look at the names, Messi, he's trying to solidify his legacy, which he already has with all of his accolades and everything. It's just a lot of people will give him the knack that he's never won a World Cup. And that he's always had a better team and a better setup than 
his counterpart in Cristiano Ronaldo. And I think that's what everybody wants the World Cup because, I mean, it's the only trophy that matters. I mean, every four years there's only one team that gets it, and he's going to be the one that's going to want it the most after briefly retiring from international to coming back. Um, but I think I'm going to have to stick with Belgium winning. I mean, I don't see anybody beating that team. And if, and if they do beat them, it's going to be a one to nothing or it's going to be a shootout in the World Cup final. That'll be, I mean, that'll be crazy. And that'll, that'll be fun to watch because every time you go in with a you know, prohibitive favorite like Belgium might be. Um, I think a lot of people, uh, we've talked about this before, how many people tune into certain things to watch them lose. Um, and I'll be wondering how many people tune into certain games just to see if Belgium, Belgium gets knocked off. Well, that was, I mean, we've got, a, we've got a long time until the World Cup, so obviously there's a million things that could happen, injuries, God forbid, suspensions, anything like that. Um, but it's definitely something to keep our eye on. It's something we'll revisit uh, maybe next June or, you know, May as we get closer to just kind of see where things stand. Um, but moving on to the, the big question, the big issue. We were talking about Sweden before. We're going to talk about Sweden's golden, golden sun right now. What is going on with Eric Carlson, man? We were ta- we've been talking about this nonstop for like a week. This guy needs to get out of Ottawa. That team is terrible. Ownership is giving him nothing. And now he just submitted the teams he would go through via his limited trade clause. I mean, what are our what are the options for Eric Carlson? Um he right now I would say his options aren't that many that he's gonna have, which which sucks because anybody that's Norris trophy caliber year in, year out and can provide 70-plus points per season. Eddie's, uh, he's going to be on a radar for a lot of teams. And I think that's big for him because as much as I wanted him to be on a different team, like now the reality is kind of setting in. Like there's a, there's a big chance that he could be playing with a counterpart that can highlight give him ease off that carrying a whole weight of a franchise on his on his back and making sure everything is in place. Um, I don't think it's necessarily something going on with him. I think it's the ownership and the coaches and just his team doesn't look like they want to play and he's getting a lot of the heat for it it's because when you think of Ottawa, you think of Eric Carlson. Yeah, and that's I mean that's the thing. Like a lot of times when you when a guy is handed the keys to the franchise, you at least watch ownership attempt to put the people around him. You know, like um, Peter Shirelli in Edmonton, he really looked like he was going to put the pieces around McDavid with Drysdale, and he signs Lucic for the enforcer purposes. They go out and trade Taylor Hall to get Adam Larson to help the blue line a little bit, make it a more complete team for McDavid to play with, even though you would assume that Taylor Hall would be lights out next to McDavid, but who knows with a team like that. But And then you've got Matthews in Toronto. Like, the, like other teams are surrounding their superstars with players. The Penguins are the best example, and then you've got Chicago. 
So I feel like Carlson is just being left out on a branch here with no signs of support. Um, and now you've got Drew Doughty saying, oh, it'd be great to play with Eric in Toronto. Like, I can't even imagine what would have to be done to get them there. But it's a golden possibility. And, oh, my God, if that would have happened, that'd be exciting. Um, but, I mean, so what – I mean, moving forward, does he just wait it out to free agency, you think? Or is there a trade offer out there? Um, or a possible trade out there that you can think of? Off the top of my head, it's it's – it's all going to come down to the salary cap. and the Which is going up next year, for anyone who doesn't know. That, the salary cap is going to get a little bumped next year. Yeah, and I think that'll be interesting to see how these teams will use their salary cap. I mean, obviously, you're going to see the big-name teams be able to reach out more for that extra help or that third and fourth line players. And I think with Carlson, you're going to want to, at this point you want to wait it out, but if a trade offer is on the table that your ownership can't resist or you want the final okay in it, then he could easily be moved by the deadline. And I would hope so. I mean, Honestly, for his sake, um, and what I think it would mean for the for the league moving forward, I think to see him in one a more televised market because I uh, I see the guy play like three times a year, and it's just it's so frustrating to see a talent like that. It's the same with Matthews and McDavid. Don't get me wrong, but this guy's a more established veteran who I think you know he does he's earned his right to be on a contender. And I know they were one goal away from the Stanley Cup Finals last year, but they obviously just got hot at the right time. Um, and I think if you're not going to move him, then you've got got guys like Mike Hoffman and Mark Stone that you've got you can move easily easier, I should say, and and maybe get other pieces around Carlson. But right now, I think that team is sinking fast, and they're really not that far out of the playoffs right now, which is crazy. But in a week's time, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure they'll be even further out. And we'll, the more they lose, I think the more clear it'll come whether or not they're going to trade him. And I think it, you'll be able to see it on Carlson's face whether or not if they're going to trade him. Maybe his his play peps up a little bit, and he realizes that you know he's playing for a contender to come out and try to get him. And if they say they won't trade him, then I think he'll just fall back into a depression at this point. So, I mean, hopefully that gets fixed. Uh, there's so many questions with Carlson and that team um, that it's hard to even get. I mean, we could go for hours and hours about production and everything like that. I mean, he's got 19 points in 25 games, and he's only been a point-per-game player one time. And he's a defenseman. I mean, it's not like he's going out there getting 110 points. Um, but, the, you know, the goal production obviously is not there right now. He's only got one goal. Um, but 18 assists, you know, the foot is obviously getting better. You can see his speed is coming back a lot more. Uh, so that's just going to be – he's going to be one of those guys to watch for, you know, the last however many games we have left. Jeez, I guess we're already further than a quarter way into the season. But it'll be it, – he'll be one of the more intriguing players to watch um, for, unfortunately, I think the wrong reasons as we move forward. Um 
And going from one of your favorite players to your absolute favorite player, for everyone to know right now, Quinn is a huge Capitals fan, uh, much to my displeasure because I love rooting against those guys. No, but uh, I, I mean, we talk about Ovechkin all the time, and we never really get a chance to like really sit down and just talk about what this guy means to the game and everything. And you know, for for you and Evan, only been watching hockey for you know however many years. This has to be the greatest goal scorer you've ever seen, because he's he's the greatest goal scorer I've ever seen. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing I think that might go over a couple of people's heads is like, you know, when you hear his name, you think of one timers and scoring, and that's not all he is. I mean, he is one of the toughest players to ever come by in the NHL, which is scary because somebody with that high level of skill and finesse and shooting all into a six foot four player who can shoot from anywhere on the ice and score at will. It, it makes it hard for a lot of people to adjust. And I think now in this new age, I guess in hockey with speed and the quick shifts, the 30 to 45 second shifts is, huge and he can go out there and still put up 18 20 minutes a game if not more and with the high level offense and shooting it's it just it still amazes me at the age he's at is and he can score at will from what he's been doing since he's at yeah i think that's gonna be one of those things that's a quiet um helper i guess you could say for uh for ovechkin moving forward is like the the, the way the game is changing because he's not going to get beat up as he gets, you know, as he gets older, you worry about a lot of things. But I don't think his body breaking down is going to be one of those things because he's always been a hitter. He doesn't take a lot of bad hits. He's lightning quick. And with these quick shifts in the game turning into that more finesse style that you were talking about, um, I think we'll continue to see. I mean, as I look at it right now, the guy's, the guy's point production barely fluctuates. I mean... You know, you've got the lockout season where he only plays 48 games. He gets 56 points. Last year, he had 69 points in, quote-unquote, only 33 goals. Um, but arguably, they had one of their best teams with the best opportunity to win a cup. Which brings me to my next point. How much, with a player like this, with all the skill we see night in, night out, how important is it for, not for him personally, but for the way we look at Alex Ovechkin, him winning a cup and or not winning a cup, what effect does that have on the general public's opinion of Ovi once he retires? Um, I wouldn't say it changes much, but you'll get the people that always bring up that he will never win a cup or that he has never won one. And whatever his, the end of his career is, it's, it's going to be tough for those people because at the end of the day, he's still – possibly one of the greatest goal scorers of all time, if not the greatest in this, in the new salary cap era. And you don't see many goal scorers like this anymore. And it's going to be, I think if he wins it, it won't change much on people because they're still going to give him the same doubt. Like, yeah, he's completed it, but there's still going to be that, Oh, it took him this long. And, Crosby's done it this many times and everybody's going to just have something to say to him which is okay because I don't think it bothers him as much 
but he's at that point in his career where that's the only thing that he really wants. And I think it's showing on his face more every time he gets to the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be tough for a guy like that with, you know, who should be able to put the team on his back. And you, you, you pray the argument never comes about that is, oh, well, they had to add so-and-so for Obi to even win a cup. So, you know, where does the credit really go? Like, that's such bullshit. Like, I hate that argument around all sports. You know especially that I do. But, I mean, this guy, he has unbelievable season after unbelievable season even though he's had gray hair since he was 19. And he just he just finds his spot on the ice, and he rips it over and over and over again. And it speaks to his skill and how fucking hard that shot is that teams haven't figured it out at this stage in his career, it, 11, 12 years later. I mean, he just keeps doing exactly what he needs to do as a player offensively and over the last few years defensively. I mean, I, he's obviously top 100 of all time. Um, but I mean, I think at this pace he finishes maybe not in the actual number of goals scored, but the greatest goal scorer of all time. I think it's hard to argue in any era that there's been a a greater goal scorer against, you know, 30 goalies that just step in front of the puck instead of actually saving it. Um, yeah, I mean, there's nothing really else to say with him, um, other than win a fucking cup. Because he needs one. Um, but, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge Crosby guy. I mean, you know me as well as anybody. I'm a huge I, – I love what Sidney Crosby's been able to do these last couple of years. But there, I, the Crosby versus Ovechkin debate is, is such a garbage argument because there isn't an argument. They're two completely different players. Like, we talk line A Ovechkin a lot, which I think is a more fair argument not in who's better, but that they play so similarly – so why does it have to be Crosby versus Ovechkin? We've, we've had 13 years of two of the best players ever. I don't know why that's just not like one of those more appreciated things instead of pitting them against each other. But we see that in all sports, and I know you're just as tired of it as I am. <laughs> um, yeah. But what we aren't tired of is the Pittsburgh Penguins winning. And I want to end on this um, because it's real short, real sweet, um, but I'm interested to get your take on it because of the way this season's gone so far. And the injury bugs hit them a little bit. Um, but if the season ended today, I think the Penguins win the Cup. I think they three-peat. And I'm pretty positive you disagree. Uh, I disagree in a sense. It's going to be tough. I mean, this is the first year Matt Murray is going to have his – his season stretch and he's already had a couple injuries which is scary but at least it's happening it's happened early and it's nothing too long term or could be affecting his game uh penguins are i think are still the favorite to win it for should be for everybody since they're defending uh stanley cup guys and it's always hard to bet against a team that's won it two years in a row. And that means they're at the top and everybody's chasing for what they have done for the past two years. And I think it's all going to come down to those first rounds of the playoffs for teams to, to like solidify who's hot and 
who's burnt out at the wrong time of the year. And right now, I think I'm going to have to go with Pittsburgh as much as I want to disagree, but I have to agree that they are going to be that team to beat. And it's just, it all comes down to Matt Murray. You know what you get with Crosby, Malkin, Kessel. You're going to get the offense, but if you can't get your goalie healthy and the way their backups have looked throughout the the first quarter of the season, it, it hasn't looked pretty for them. But they still managed to be one of the top teams in the Metropolitan. Yeah, I mean, and people are going to call us crazy because, like, as as we record this, Time's winding down on yet another Tampa Bay victory. And a lot of people are gravitating towards that team being the best in the league, best, you know, the hands-down favorite for the Stanley Cup. But a lot of these guys haven't been there before. This is a totally new concept for the way this team is run. Um, But at the same time, they do have a healthy Stamkos for the first time in a while. And Kucherov has been playing at a level like we've never seen. So I think it comes down to those two teams um, unfortunately for Caps fans, unfortunately for Maple Leafs fans, I think these two teams, it'll kind of be a we've been here before versus it's our time uh, matchup. But if there's anything we know about the NHL playoffs is anything can happen in these first-round matchups. I mean, the first round of the NHL playoffs is the most fun weekend or few weeks of all sports, in my opinion. So that's going to be that's gonna be great to watch. Um, well, We've t- I've taken up a shit ton of your time, Quinn. I appreciate you coming out here tonight. Coming out here tonight, um, another one of my good buddies from Michigan who took the time to uh, contribute to Dump and Chaser. Um, where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me at Quinn underscore Cantu. Uh, that's basically where you find me at. I tweet and retweet the most pointless things, but this guy, this guy's the meme like a good meme um and you're not easily offended that's the guy you want to follow on twitter um quinn thanks again man Uh, we'll uh we'll definitely catch up again um i know we talked about the world cup but we're we're definitely going to do something uh beforehand uh thanks again man have a good weekend all right thanks for having me out you too man